0: Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, season five. This season, we are discussing tech and digital software role in the circular economy. Today, we have the great pleasure of being joined by Craig Melson. Craig is a program manager at Tech UK. He works across digital devices, environment and compliance and consumer electronics. This program covers issues as diverse as modern slavery, Conflict Minerals, New Tech, Compliance, and Brexit. Got quite a broad umbrella there. The reason that we reached out to Craig specifically was following a conference hosted by Tech UK in 2019, after which they published a report at the end of 2019 about tech and the circular economy. And given the theme of this year's season, it seemed like a perfect match for us
1: yeah and the report and the webpage which we'll make sure we link on happyportsradio.com i think is a really excellent summary of some really relevant points about both the advantages and reasons and opportunities in the circular economy but also some of the challenges that need to be overcome some of the blockers and some of the um yeah some of the things that might need to change in order to enable the circular economy and the conversation with craig i think was really fascinating and hopefully helps, along with some of our other introductory episodes, to set the scene for some of the more very specific examples that we're going to be covering through the rest of the season.
0: Mm. And also, as an example of just how broad this topic really is, the amount of things that come up and that Craig was talking about, that we just really saw the tip of the iceberg of some of these issues and opportunities within this topic. It's just so vast that there's a lot that we can really dive into here.
1: Mm, yeah. And it's also interesting, so Tech UK, for those who are unaware, is a technology membership organisation as you know, represents the UK, and it's a very broad, across the whole technology sector, a membership organisation. And it's really interesting to me that they're looking to play, amongst all their other roles, but looking to play a leading role in the sustainability conversation in the circular economy, both within the technology sector, but also, as Craig described, the opportunity for technology, digital, and software to be enabling and to be a positive part of this circular economy.
0: Mm. And really, we talked a lot about this whole concept as that societal cultural transition. That Tech UK is taking up this role to help the whole process kind of move in that direction. And. Craig acknowledges that we are kind of at the beginning of this process, that currently circularity is not the norm for business models and for businesses, but that we are moving in a direction and hopefully that we'll end up where circularity becomes completely the default option for many businesses and specifically within the tech industry.
1: Absolutely, it kind of should be the economy rather than the, the circular economy. Not to say that the yeah. circular economy is a yeah, it's it's very not, important. It's not to say that the circular economy is a panacea for every problem we're facing but it is I think a, a really crucial right. part of a successful future for all of us. And so without any further ado
0: yeah. it plays an important role.
1: Yeah absolutely. And so without any further ado, let's meet Craig.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Craig Melson, a Programme Manager at Tech UK, which is the trade association for companies operating in the digital economy. I focus on environment and how tech companies can become not only more sustainable themselves, but help others in their sustainability journeys.
1: Excellent, and welcome to the show. It's really cool to have you here. One of the reasons I reached out to you, Craig, was that at the end of last year, tech UK hosted a circular economy conference. And the report that you created and the summary webpage I thought was outstanding. There's a lot of really interesting stuff there. And as you know, this season of our podcast is all about the circular economy and how digital and software in particular can be part of that or be enablers or how what role that plays. So I thought I would start there. Why a circular economy conference? How does that fit with your role as in doing it within Tech UK and the, and the broader umbrella?
2: So this conference specifically looked at sort of a lot of the circular business models and all the regulation and the sort of changing patterns that we're seeing when it comes to tech and the circular economy. And this is a quite key issue for tech companies. We're seeing more and more companies sort of moving and changing their business models to become more circular. We're seeing a lot of work going on in the UK and Europe around regulation and policy so companies are having having to do more of this, and we're also seeing kind of more demand from for the end users of products, whether that's a business to business environment where sort of circular and reuse models have been fairly well established to more and more consumers kind of being a bit more demanding of the companies that they use and kind of being a bit more searching in their questions around how they approach resource consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's been a big part of what we do at Tech UK. We have a working group around it, and we have a lot of members doing some really interesting stuff in this space.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'd love to, to dig into that in more detail. But just one question before we do that. From your own point of view, what has led you personally to the point where you're playing this role with a focus on sustainability and within an organization like Tech UK?
2: I mean, Tech UK is an organization I've known for a fairly long time, it's kind of had various guises and what i think is really really interesting is not only kind of how tech companies can kind of get their own house in order Mm. and actually kind of figure out okay how can we basically minimize and reduce our resource consumption but i always find it really interesting which is kind of how tech can be used to help others do that Mm. as well so how can by kind of adopting digital sort of solutions how can sort of using new technologies like for example ai and sensor monitoring iot how can you kind of embed those technologies in other kind of perhaps sort of legacy areas and areas that never really thought about it and help them become kind of more sustainable i just think that element is so fascinating
1: Mm, i couldn't agree more that's kind of you've just basically described exactly why we're doing this season of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i think it's really interesting And, and tying it two together as you say kind of walking the talk internally within the industry within businesses but even potentially more exciting, how as a sector, as an industry, this we can be a part of, and a an enabler and in a, a multiplier effect on the positive outcomes there.
2: And it makes it easier as well by adopting digital technologies. You can actually you know, do things that you were not able to do before, especially for a smaller company or if you haven't got the kind of the resource. You can actually. Is he outsource some of that and actually kind of get the tech to do the heavy lifting? Mm, mm, yeah. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, powerful. And it and and sort of ties purpose and into work. I think it's kind of it just brings the whole thing to life. So within Tech UK, so you said there's a working group, you had this conference. What is Tech UK's role in this, do you see?
2: So some of it is around sort of the policy and regulation side. So helping our members understand exactly what is required of them. And helping them kind of shape and inform how those regulations will look. But the other is around kind of capacity building and sort of sharing knowledge, because obviously we're we're an association. We have lots of members focusing focusing on this area, whether from the largest big tech manufacturers to software providers to cloud operators, but also to hundreds of startups and smaller companies with kind of doing very specific things. So part of our role as a convening body is to sort of allow for that information sharing and being able to kind of basically bring our members and bring other kind of stakeholders and consultancies and academics and clever people to really show what's going on in the sector and what is possible and how they can actually shift their operations to become more circular. So that's kind of traditionally what a trade association really is, is about that kind of convening and knowledge sharing.
0: And how is the uptake of this being amongst your members is there a lot of enthusiasm for it and or is it well I mean I feel like in lots of industries there's a feeling of I understand this is necessary but I'm worried about x y and z because at the end of the day I still need to run my business.
2: I mean the tech sector is very diverse you've got everything from as I mentioned sort of people making laptops and servers and televisions and games consoles to people doing back-end IT, people doing clever futuristic stuff with AI and machine learning, you've got data centers, you've got telecoms networks. So, I mean, where kind of different companies are in their kind of approach to security really depends where they are. So the manufacturers have traditionally been very advanced in this because, I mean, objectively they're the ones who have the highest um, impact. So one of the statistics that was kind of presented at the conference was if you look at a data center – so essentially where everything is, is crunched and sort mm. of distributed, 80% of the related emissions are in the manufacturing phase
1: mm.
2: of that technology. So as well as if you can have a of the technology in the IT within the data center. So if you can have a reuse and recycling model, you can actually not only cut your resource impacts down, but you can also and lower your own costs you can also kind of cut down your emissions. So we're seeing some areas like the manufacturing side being very, very aware of their circularity obligations. And some of that was indeed obligation through various rules and regulations. But some of it is kind of a lot of business drivers as well. I mean, the B2B server market is actually very advanced in this area. These like printers as well. They've been using service models. So rather than buying a product, say rather than buying a printer for X thousand pounds, you lease sit on a service contract for multiple years, where you get the kind of all the services and support and all the infrastructure around it. Well it's just aside from being just a here's a box that you sit in the in the corner that will spit out paper. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that kind of take off more widely as well. But we're yeah, but we're seeing kind of other areas and other kind of bits of the tech sector coming on board with that. So you're seeing a lot of sort of purpose driven startups really kind of seeing the circular economy as their business model and we had some of them present at our conference and we've had a lot lot of really interesting discussions Mm. with those kind of companies.
1: And from those companies, have you got a favorite one or two examples or things that you always, that you would kind of describe as the most interesting or the poster childs or the ones that you're most fascinated by?
2: Yeah, we're not really meant to sort of big up one company (laughs) over the other, but there's one that is absolutely fantastic called Grey Parrot AI, Mm. which Basically, uses a thing called video recognition, so video pattern. So you can stick a camera in something and it will turn the, the software behind the camera that's reading the video can tell you what you're looking at. Now, this is being used for all sorts of applications, but what Grey Power is doing is going into waste sites and actually, you know, saying, like, okay, you have four sofas, five chairs, whatever. So making people more aware was actually in like tips and refuse mm. centers and stuff so that can be refurbished things like that i think from a business model another one we have present at our conference was um sky mm-hmm. it's obviously you know the big tv and telecoms company so they've moved towards a kind of leasing model for their equipment and what that does when you kind of move to that one rather than basically giving someone a skybox and it's there potentially forever you're actually leasing it. it's built into the subscription so at the end of life you can actually take it back and refurbish it and reuse it rather than having to obviously develop and produce a new one. So I think that's kind mm. of a really good kind of quite sensible one. And, you know, we're seeing hundreds of startups like this. As well, I mean, Olio is another good one as well. So what well, this is an app that is being used, I think they've got quite an extensive marketing campaign going on at the moment where well, essentially so it's just a sharing platform. So, You can basically just take a picture of stuff that you've got going free in your house, whether that's food, furniture, soft furnishings, whatever. And then someone else can contact you and say, oh, I would like that. And then you can contact someone and say, oh, I would like your thing.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. We're seeing circularity becoming a much bigger driver for startups and innovation. And people basing their entire business models around helping people become more circular. It's really exciting. Mm -hmm. And it shows that there's money and there's growth and there's investment and there's some real enthusiasm behind it. Mm, yeah,
1: and I think that for me is one of the most exciting things, as I've said already several times in this season, is that the exciting alignment of the business benefits and opportunities with environmental and sustainability benefits. So the example you gave of the data centers and manufacturing, if, if we're literally reducing the physical you know, then that's reason our cost, which leads directly to the bottom line. It's aligning those two things, which is the only way it seems to me that it can work.
2: It does. Yeah, it does One, It's just becoming uh, much more integrated. as a sort of everyday thinking mm. as well. We've got the material efficiency standards as well being developed. Mm. So these are going to further help companies kind of think about circularity in their design. So basically from the design you're going to make things easier to upgrade easier to disassemble easier to recycle using common parts so we're going to see more of that in the future and to be honest you might even get to the point i mean probably this is quite a long way down the line where there won't be a thing anymore the circular yes. economy will kind of cease to exist because it'll be the default Yeah,
1: it'll just be the economy
2: <laughs> yeah and you know in some sectors in some sort of processes are already seeing that mm. well the default is to reuse something rather than get a new one
1: and so with that in mind what do you see is the current and, and there's some excellent points in the report from your conference but from your point of view what are the current biggest challenges or blockers to a more circular economy digital sector
2: i think some of it is around kind of data knowing what is in the value chain where it is how you can access it I think that's a hugely sort of challenging area. There are sort of some of the sort of regulatory barriers as well and some conflicting agendas. So for example in the recycling and reuse debates for products there's a bit of a tension between the safety and the circular economy agendas. Right. So for example so if you make your make a laptop or make a product easier to disassemble so anyone can have a go at repairing it you're also potentially exposing that person who's doing that to electric shock risks Mm. or perhaps potentially breaking it and then they might need a whole new one after all. So that's one of the sort of challenges. How do you kind of square safety and the needs for safe and authorised repair with those issues? I think as well, some some of the regulatory bits can be a bit kind of confusing as well, especially when it comes to some of the uh, substances that can be within the products and we are over helping oversee this this campaign called material focus which is looking at how we can actually kind of help the delivery of basically e-waste rules and one of it is looking at the kind of substances within the products, how making it easier to get the critical raw materials, making it better to understand the pops of the persistent organic pollutants that resist that exist within products as well. Mm-hmm. And then how do you recycle those goods if there's a risk that those kind of you, you may change the state of the uh, products that actually has pollutants in it. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the you know, bigger challenges. And I think, as well as in the business space with business IT, there is some also a kind of a cultural stigma around adopting used products. Yes, I think a lot of people were like, "Okay, we want to have you know top of the range. We don't want to compromise our business by having second-hand substandard goods." So the sector has got to do a probably better job of actually showing that that they can be just as good. Yes, and for the consumer. Some research that Material Focus carried out, and we've had it sort of supported by lots of anecdotal evidence from our members, is that data security is a, yeah. a key issue. People are reluctant to throw away old devices because they don't want, they want to have, obviously, they want to retain custody of the data that's on those machines. And so we're seeing a lot of inf- innovation around kind of data wiping and how kind of companies can actually fully ensure that there's no residual data within those products.
1: Mm really interesting there the kind of the several broad themes there which i think is really interesting that to me is those challenges are also the opportunities to to steal as a, <laughs> a, a truism mm-hmm. but the point there you're like of the sort of practical considerations of like we don't have the data we don't have visibility into our supply chain we don't have understanding or the knowledge versus the policy which is a broader you know there's as you said manufacturing have some of them Um, They have requirements that they need to to meet. And maybe that, and I think it was a point that came out of your very excellent report that kind of policy is needed. It's not that circular economy is happening, but policy is needed to kind of get it to the next stage. And then the final thing, which I think is from a digital and from a software point of view, is really interesting. So that is the cross between, right, like the software, the digital thing. And the real world and the human and the way things are presented so if if I can solve the problem of wiping data technically, but that's not enough, I also need to be able to prove both before somebody sends me the device and once it's done that it's that it's actually genuinely done so there's a bunch of really interesting challenges and and takeaways there
0: mm. it's about the trust right between customer and Business and customer and machine and all these different elements have to go together, that you're kind of saying you have to trust us to a certain extent that we are doing this to the best of our ability in terms of that data security, but people's fears in that respect are really genuine, legitimate, but I agree, Barry, that there's a kind of level of opportunity here that maybe the industry becomes a solution
2: I think with, with the the data wiping I mean the technology is relatively proven it's just yeah making the people feel sufficiently confident that they would actually do it now we're seeing refurb offers we're seeing refurbishment enter the marketplace within the telco industry mm-hmm. which is really interesting and actually what's driving that is lower prices you can either pay let's say 40 pounds a month for a new phone or you can pay 30 pounds a month for the same phone but someone's just you've been using it for a few months so i think mean price is a driver here as well and one thing that It's very hard to quantify we attempted it in a paper a couple of years ago and there's been various academic ones academics looking at this as well but the scale of reuse and sort of basically people selling electronics privately yes you go on ebay or facebook marketplace or gumtree or kind of other marketplaces and there'll be tens of not hundreds of thousands of old laptops old mobiles old computing equipment anything with data on it that could have data storage potential and people are obviously willing enough to buy them. But it's been really hard to actually quantify the scale of that market and how much of it is happening. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is going going under the radar because it's, it's inherently quite difficult to quantify. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I wanted to go back
1: then to, was it materials focus, material added focus? Is that the program you mentioned?
2: Yeah, so material focus is a organization set up by the producers of IT equipment mm-hmm. or electronic equipment. So it's not just us, it's you know domestic appliances, it's lighting, it's all sorts of thing. And it's an organization that's basically trying to get a much better understanding of what's happening in the electronics recycling world, trying to do some public information and awareness. So we've just in this really interesting campaign, trying get people to do a spring clean of their old electronics, take them down to the recycling centre so they can be reused in new products. There's a lot of stuff sticking around in people's drawers and cupboards that could be could be reused for new stuff.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's that in itself is a really interesting part of the circular process, right? Is is getting the materials back, the reverse logistics, and again, I really to point to people. We'll link, by the way, to this report and the page that I keep mentioning. We'll link to those in happyfourthradio.com because I think there are really good summary and some excellent content and points there, but. That challenge of getting things back. So and you're describing material focus as how broad is it?
2: It sounds like quite
1: a big, far reaching program.
2: Yes, it's a multi million pound organization. I don't want to bore you the details, mm-hmm. but it, it essentially it stems from producers of electronic equipment who are obligated to pay into a central fund. And Material Focus are doing our funding all sorts of really interesting research. So you've got some stuff really quite techy and quite hardcore sort of academic research going on, all the way through to sort of consumer information, obviously supporting the treatment center in the COVID crisis. And yeah, they, they are a very interesting organization doing some really good projects.
1: Mm, mm, that's really interesting. So you mentioned that there was multiple things that Tech UK is doing. And obviously that is, is a brilliant example you mentioned policy and the kind of information sharing. Can you share some more about that sort of particularly with this, with a circular economy umbrella?
2: Yeah, so there's very sort of active debate at the moment around the future of circular, well, I guess the regulations that affect tech companies mm. who are trying to become circular. You've got the e-waste regulations, we're expecting a big government consultation this year, which will be kind of looking at the future of them. We've got a lot of changes to waste shipments so for example plastic will no longer be able to be exported to non-obcd countries and this is an attempt to make sure that any sort of plastic is being treated and recycled in the most kind of industrialized sophisticated countries who can actually manage the and have the infrastructure in place to do it in a way that doesn't damage the environment we are looking at kind of the implications of brexit on what's going to happen with circular economy legislation, especially when it comes to things like eco-design, which is the rules and regulations affecting how products are designed and with the environment in mind. And there's obviously the EU Green Deal as well. Mm. So obviously even though our members are very worried about Brexit, they will also be operating in Europe. So we've been working with our sister organisation in Brussels to look at how the Circular Electronics Initiative and some of the Policy suggestions around labelling and consumer marking and so forth will work in the context of the EU Green Deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're very active in the, the, those debates. We work kind of in partnership with our members and with the, the government to see how they're working and see how they're actually being developed. And yeah, it's a, quite a key part of what we do.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. And so, in the context of all of that, we've talked about the sort of reasons for the circular economy, the, why, why it matters within the tech and the software and digital industry, and why and how all of this sort of sets out positive opportunities to be able to contribute, to be able to enable things to happen that maybe couldn't happen otherwise with digital. But the reality is, I think, from all the reports and things that I've read that the purely, circular like the, I think Alan MacArthur talks about sort of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation talks about, the global economy is like nine percent circular or some you know there's always some fairly small so it feels like this is still very early and yet we're talking here in this conversation as if it's kind of inevitable or that it's all going to happen how confident do you feel that this is going to continue to grow and actually become like we said where it becomes the economy rather than the separate thing of the circular economy
2: i think it'll be um, hugely growing at least in our sector we've got commitments from companies like Apple, for example, who are sort of pledging to become mining free, they commissioned and built this new robot that can disassemble. Don't quote them wrong me, but I think it's something like a thousand iPhones an mm. hour or something like that. We're seeing a lot of work. There's a lot of business opportunity, and as say other sectors, whether that's fashion, whether that's food and drink, whether that's retail, as they become more try to become more circular, there's a huge opportunity for sort of data-driven companies, the UK kind of startup and scale-up scene, and digital companies to kind of offer their services and develop solutions that can help them do that, whether that's in asset tracking, electronic waste tracking, which is going to become mandatory, whether it's around kind of smarter supply chain stuff, supply chain transparency, so knowing where things are, that can't be done without technology such as the Internet of Things and sort of remote sensing and having sort of, Cloud and data analytics built on the back of that. So it's a huge opportunity. So technology can accelerate other sectors in becoming more circular. And within the sector themselves, there's, there's significant appetite towards that, especially as seeing pressure now not only from consumers and politicians and policymakers, but we're also seeing it from in the investment community. The concept of ESG now is fairly embedded. And, yeah, I think it's kind of it's here to stay. I think mean, the ones that don't mm. do that will stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah, it's going to kind of flip it so that the minority is going to become this linear economy and the majority looks more like what the current minority is in, in terms of circularity. Yeah. And, and
2: there'll still be demand for new products, but there's going to be a growth, mm. I think, in, um, in the way they're made and sold, essentially. <laughs> Whether that's
1: yeah,
2: leasing models, with service models with support sort of services around it. I think the the manufacturers and the companies are kind of sort of experimenting at the moment and some of them will will not work out for whatever reason and some will and will become standard, I think.
0: Mm. Yeah. As we talk about this universal transition almost towards circular economy, obviously within that, it's really important to ensure that nobody's left behind and whether that's along the lines of on a global scale, certain economies develop faster than others, or whether it's along social lines or, or economic lines, or whatever. And I feel like tech, the tech industry can have can play a role in this in terms of making certain solutions more accessible to everyone. But also I'm interested in it from a perspective of the tech industry itself, making sure that nobody's left behind in this transition. How do you see that from your perspective? Well, I see that.
2: We're seeing the growth of devices. It's huge. I mean, there are estimates out there that are going to be 40 billion devices connected to the internet. others predictions prediction of 250 billion devices that are connected to the internet. And we're seeing mm. across the world, really, a huge growth in more mobile than fixed connectivity. So people are going to be digitally enabled and have access to smartphones and not only the fact that used and second-hand goods for consumers tends to be cheaper there's also if you can kind of keep things in reuse and build up that kind of recycling and reuse capacity and as devices become more sophisticated you're going to have huge new markets for them areas that are just becoming sort of more digital and sort of e-commerce driven and Mm. you look at the miniaturization at your iphone or android phone whatever is you know it's your music player it's your game machine it's your you know it's a laptop replacement in some ways it's your phone it's got all these functionalities where actually you're seeing consolidation of devices so you're going to get more and more people having access to much more kind of higher grade technology so i think that's Mm. sort of a huge opportunity especially in in the developing world and then you see things like what it can enable so microfinance you're looking at new kind of financial inclusion technologies you're seeing digital identities so people can move across borders and access services but without having the need for restrictive passports. so we're seeing your kind of your smartphone and your sort of personal i t becoming your gateway to so much now, and this is happening much a much more accelerated rate in the developing world than in the industrialized world
0: mm. yeah and i Obviously, as Tech UK, I understand that your focus is the UK, but I noticed in the report that there's lots of examples from various parts of the world of different ways of dealing with, for instance, there was a, an example about recycling model in Japan that focuses more on value over over volume and other such mm-hmm. sort of things. So it feels like there's, there's pockets of these ideas popping up around the world, and it's not... Necessarily that the that Europe or the UK is going to lead the way in this. That there can be diversity of ideas and solutions from the offset, sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, even though obviously we're Tech UK, a massive chunk of our members and the ones who're probably most advanced in this area are all kind of global companies. So we have headquarters in not only the UK or Europe, but you know Japan, South Korea, the United States. And that inherently means you do get the best practice from across the world. And yeah, you're right. You're seeing new models popping up all over the place. And I mean, part of our job is to see what we can do to kind of consolidate and see what it works and what doesn't work. So for example, we've seen that with in, with approach to regulation. So we've ex- extended producer responsibility. We've been sort of mapping what was working and what not working globally. And we're seeing that with supply chain as well. So we are seeing a kind of global approach now obviously it makes sense for us if it's harmonized but making sure there's access to good ideas and access to services yeah is
1: important mm, yeah that makes complete sense yeah go ahead emily
0: <laughs> so how about within the tech industry itself in terms of this idea of diversity and inclusivity is there have you seen kind of a rise in in those you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that people within your community are coming from all different sizes of organization from all different kind of angles of looking at this problem Do you think that as a as an industry the the diversity is growing
2: yeah we we're, we're seeing that you said there's a kind of entire work stream in tech u k around kind of what we can do to improve that sort of diversity, whether that's around the pay gap reporting. There's work going on around how do you get returners and working mothers back into to the workplace. Yeah, and every company has kind of taken this very much on board and has got schemes in place. In fact, just the other day, I think we were talking about the importance of um, apprenticeships and skills being open to the widest possible number of people, and that there are no barriers to entry and we we discussed that with Mm. the minister on on i think on another podcast so yeah it's it's an absolute. and our president is kind of made this a very 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 sort of key priority for the organization
0: nice yeah i think it seems like a bit of a tangent from talking about uh (laughs) questions of circular economy but i do think the the two kind of go hand in hand when we're talking about this transition particularly as it is you know, a huge cultural shift and we talk a lot about different mindsets and different behavior patterns, et cetera. So that question of kind of involving everyone and embracing all the diversity that, you know, everyone can offer, especially in an industry like tech that where there's we're talking so much about the opportunities that are available and the potential that lies here in this transition, it's really exciting. And it's good to hear that so many people are getting involved in that.
2: It is. I mean, it may seem disconnected, but I guess it's all based around that theme of responsible business. So companies mm. paying a lot more attention and having a lot more of a involvement in the impact that they're having and their response to societal concerns. I mean, it's absolutely huge. I it's yeah, it's very related because it's they both both issues kind of fall into that. As do issues around business and human rights. the products are used things like emissions and energy reduction so
0: yeah and you mentioned the example of when there was that taking materials apart and making sure that people were in safe working conditions all these kind of things come into the factors that come into play when thinking about this transition it's all important stuff that has to be taken into account
2: indeed yeah
1: this This whole season is about us exploring this topic and trying to approach all the questions we've touched on there, or at least scratch the surface a little bit. In the future episodes, we'll be talking to some of the people doing, actually doing some of the examples related to the examples that you gave. And the question I'd like to kind of finish on, if that's okay, Craig, is if you were to give one piece of advice to the listener, and the listener being a web professional or working in an agency or a digital Software and service uh, sector who's looking to maybe explore some of these opportunities that you're describing within the circular economy, what would that advice be?
2: I'll be engage your suppliers. So, if you're working in an agency or in a digital setting, engage your suppliers. So, whether that's your cloud hosting company or web platforms, just to kind of see what they're doing on this and then make conscious procurement choices around. Choosing the suppliers that kind of have the best answers to your sustainability questions. I mean, if they don't really know, if they can't point to anything, that's a bit of a red flag. So trying to choose suppliers who, who can do that. Also try to engage your, for example, your property suppliers. So if you're in a rented one, so find out what happens to your your waste and everything and and your materials. And I think the last one as well, is look at the technology that you're using yourself, see what can be done to, to try and get sort of, reused or pre-loved or lots of other nice <laughs> descriptors, versions versions of your equipment. Like you know it's a bunch of new laptops costing 800 pounds each sufficient, or if you can secure that sort of elsewhere. Mm. So that's kind of some of the sort of key ones as well.
1: That would make sense. And I think, like I said, what we'll do is we'll make sure that we link to Tech UK and the, and the circular economy report in the page that you mentioned uh, on happyportradio.com on the show notes for this episode. And Craig, just finally, for anybody who is looking to find out more about this, where would you point them to?
2: Well, I could point them to, obviously, ourselves. So that's techuk.org. And we're listed in the Environment and Compliance Program. But there are also wonderful organizations doing things out there. So there are consultancies like Anthesis, who are doing a lot of the really clever sort of heavy lifting. So we've got ERM, there's organizations such as the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, or RAP about WRAP which are really good kind of primers and sort of explainers for what kind of circular economy could look like
1: excellent thank you so much again really appreciate your time and thanks Emily
2: yeah thank you for having me on thank you
0: Craig you can find notes and links from this episode plus a full transcript at happyporchradio.com If you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to give us a positive review on your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening to Happy Porch Radio.